Well, good morning. <clears throat> I figured it was exactly five months ago that I was up here, and I was telling those in the basement that the butterflies are still alive. <clears throat> Pastor appreciation. And for the sake of Wayne, I'll try to talk into the mic. <laughs> Pastor appreciation. What is... What, why, I guess, is the question that I would ask is, do we need this? This was started in, back in 1992. Um, a fellow came up with the idea that the pastors need to be encouraged. So the second Sunday of October was pastor appreciation and then focus on the family in 1994. Took that as a springboard and encouraged all the churches to encourage their pastors. And like what Nathan already said, you know, it's something that you should do all the time. It's just not second Sunday or the month of October that you appreciate your pastors. It's kind of like Thanksgiving. You don't just be thankful at Thanksgiving, but you be thankful year-round. Why do we need to encourage them? Did you know that 42% of pastors in 2023 have quit pastoring? And only 1% of those quit because of retirement age, like me. I would have been one of the 1%. Why are they quitting? And it's actually, if you go back further, you get uh, studies show that from 19, uh, from 2015 to the current, 400% of the pastors have quit. And so we ask the question, why do we, as lay members, I'll call us, cause our pastors to quit? So you look up what are the top three reasons pastors resign, and you'll get stress. So where do they get their stress? It's from us. And the second one is um, uh, <laughs> I should have wrote it down, but it's stress related. And the second one is um, overworked. And the third one is um, I'm sorry, it just totally left my mind. I was at the doctor this week, or this past Friday, and he gave me three words. And a while later, after conversation, he says, what were those three words? And I remembered. And he said, well, you remembered. You've got good memory. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I just lost the two of them. But it was, uh, I thought it was interesting that a lot of the reason people are leaving is because of, of people and stress is stress-related. 
So I would like to make this message twofold. I would like to talk to the ministry, and I would like to talk to you. So burnout is a real big issue with ministry, and a lot of that is stress-related. So what is causing that? Have we forgot our calling? And I could ask myself that, and, and Jerry, and Bill. Have we, in our ministry, did we lose focus of the calling that your responsibility? Lots of times there's a large gap between our expectations that we have for life and the ministry and the reality of it. So in other words, lots of times I set my expectations way higher than what I can reach. And that's one of the frustrating things of, the mess- of preaching. I, for me it was is I knew what the truth was, and I wanted you to hear it. But to apply it to my life at times was very difficult. And so if I expected you to live up to my expectations or what I presented in a message, then I need to also. And so if we set that unattainable, that can be very... um, Frustrating. <clears throat> There's a lot of ministers going into the ministry. One of the thoughts that's in their mind is they're going to change. It don't work that way. If you're going to change, you have to work with yourself. And I think that's an area that we, as ministry need is to what is our plans for the congregation what is our goals what are we getting up and presenting the the message why are we doing that what's the purpose behind all that i want to go to acts 20 and read a verse you know time times change Culture changes. You go from one country to another, you see a a huge difference. And you can look at, um, you can look at our culture in when I was a young person and how it is now for uh, the young people. You see changes, huge changes. And to think that we are to somehow adjust to that change. Well, it's possible because the gospel is preached, is presented to all cultures. It's presented to all walks of life. It was 300 years ago, and it was the next 300, Lord, if the Lord tarries. It's applicable for today, for the setting we're in, and sometimes we forget that, and we start, looking around us and we, we're concerned and we're, um, yeah, we panic and we, 
we get frustrated and we want them to change and we get behind them, we push for change and and you know how how well that goes. In Acts 20 verse 28 it says take heed. Now Paul here's kind of addressing here toward the um, when he's leaving but he says I have in verse 27 I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And then he says take heed ministry take heed unto yourselves so look at yourselves look at your goals in life what is is it worthwhile for the a lay member to to be where you're at are you headed in the same direction that your forefathers were that have preached in the past says, take heed therefore on yourselves and also all the people around you. Take heed unto them. Over which, okay, so over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. So, so the Holy Spirit has chosen you to be an overseer, or an overseer would be to be in charge or with the duty of making sure that things get done and make sure that we get it done right. But we are to then feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So that's your responsibility, is to preach the gospel that Paul preached. To preach the gospel that was presented for all walks of life. And if you would sum up the gospel in, in a sentence, what would you say it is? It's Christ. It's Christ crucified. And that's what we're supposed to present it. And we're supposed to remind the people constantly of where they were and where they should be going. So the best way for you as shepherds is not only feed the flock, but set the example for the flock. Go before them. Let them follow you, and you'll be so stressed, relieved. You won't have to go on medication. You won't have to have heart conditions or or health conditions or whatever it may be that comes with stress. Uh, For me, it's high blood pressure, so I don't have to worry about high blood pressure because of, of stress. It says here that the church that you're overseeing and you're feeding is not yours. And I don't know how I can emphasize that. You are not, Salem is not your church. We are 
the bride of Christ. Christ purchased us, and now you're responsible to oversee. Is that clear? (laughs) No. And like Nathan said, um, we have a lot that we can grow in ourselves, and I want to address that here. But one thing, if you feel like our ministry is getting stressed or overburdened, overworked to the point where they're neglecting their families and they're not spending time in preparing messages to present to you on Sunday morning, so they get up and they say what you would say very little, and you say, oh, he's not a good preacher. Well, have you looked at his life? and how you can maybe encourage him. And I think sometimes we take on more than what we need to. And if the ministry needs help, then we as a congregation need to give him help. The early church did that. The minister got up and said, hey, we need more help. We need deacons to take care of the, the people, the older people. And we want to keep our focus on preaching. And that would be a whole lot easier for the ministry to prepare messages if they don't have to do all the, the dirty work. <clears throat> I'd like to go to Second Peter chapter 1. Nathan mentioned about growth. How do you determine growth in your life? How many of you feel like you have grown spiritually in this past year? And I I would say the ones that I have seen raise hands, I, I have seen that also. But growing spiritually is a lot of work. You don't just become godly. You don't just all of a sudden, well, Lord, you know, I feel like I need to grow spiritually, so I want to do that. And then it happens. To grow spiritually is you have to put an effort And you have to determine within yourself that this is what I want to do. I want to know who God is. And that's what 2 Peter here is kind of talking about. Um, I'll read verse 1, 2 Peter 1, 1 to 12. Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with all with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Did you get that? Jesus has given us a precious faith, and we have obtained that. Peter had attained that, and he wants, and he's talking to all those who also have obtained this like precious faith. 
with us through the righteousness of God. And then he says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Through what? Through the knowledge of God. So who is God? How do you come to the knowledge to know who God is? Again, do you just say, God, I want to know you. And he reveals himself to you. Well, let's go on. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life. So everything that pertains to life and godliness, he says, I have given you all these things. Through Through what? The knowledge of him. So do we just wake up and say, hey, I want all this in my life. I want the divine power. I want the, everything that pertains to life and godliness. I want that part of my life. So he'll just give it to me? No, these things are given to us through the knowledge of of him do we know him that hath called us into the glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these things ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust and besides this and this is my point that I want you to get. Besides all this, give all diligence. Add to your faith. So this, this word, all diligence, is a word that's using to, do, to something that you would pursue after to the greatest. You know, how, how many of us can, can take a, a baseball team, let's just throw one out, the Cubs, and they can name the players that are on the team, and they can tell you what the record is and all that, but they have very little knowledge of God. What I'm saying is give all diligence to pursue. That becomes my focus in life just like the Cubs. I start dwelling on that. I start looking in the scripture on this and that. It says, add to your faith. So the most important thing of this verse, next two verses, is you have to have faith in Christ. You have to believe on who Christ is. You have, that has to be part of your life. Faith is believing that Jesus is the Son of God. And faith is believing that he can give you all the power to become his sons. Faith is believing that he can protect you through any circumstances of life. 
add to that. It says here, virtue. Add to your faith virtue. <clears throat> virtue is doing what is good and being a positive influence on others. So add, it, add to your faith in Christ of being good. Show kindness to others. Be a good influence or a positive influence on others. Put your arm around somebody that you, appears like they're discouraged. Add that to your faith. And then it says add also knowledge. Knowledge is knowing who God is. And like I said, it don't just happen. But it's knowing who God is, knowing God's promises, knowing what God has done to you, and then giving that to the, the one you feel like needs encouragement. Say, hey, you know, God is faithful. Um, God is kind. God loves And to knowledge, temperance. Temperance, in other words, is self-control. So not only do you know the love of God and you know God dwelling within you, temperance is controlling my fleshly desires and line it up with how God would want me to live. So what are your fleshly Struggles, well, godliness, or you would add to your faith self-control. You would control, be able to control your passions and uncontrolled desires that you have in your life. And then it says, add to that patience. Patience is steadfastness. So in other words, you're going to remain firm to the end no matter what God puts into my life. It's going to involve endurance and learning from what God has brought into my life. It's that patience that you add to your faith. And then to patience, godliness. Godliness is the reverence and respect toward God. So it's knowing, not knowing who God is, but giving your, your respect to him and your love to him. And then add to godliness brotherly kindness, which is a love for the fellow Christians. And then add to that um, charity. And that's God's love. To all people. Add that to your faith. If we can do that, well, let's go on. For if these things be in you, so if those things are added to your faith, are part of your life, and abound, they make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're going to be fruitful in your Christian walk with God. It's not going to be a constant failure. 
but it's going to be a, a continued growth in him. And that's through the knowledge of God. And there's a lot of verses that would support that to the point where we would say, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? We can't continue in sin, can we? If we know who God is. It says, we will be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. How many of you forgot where you come from? We, we just assumed that we would forget. But sometimes we forget the, the new birth experience. You know, we're walking with the world and we turn our life to Christ and we start living in our Christian life and we forget what we come from. And I think that is all part of the brotherly kindness and the charity is that we don't extend the grace to other people. We don't extend the love to people in the world because of who they are. But we forget that God has brought us from that. And we should then extend that to others. Then verse 10. Wherefore the rather brethren... Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll make your ministry a whole lot happier. Oh, it's true. But if we do these things, we will never fall. They don't have to be concerned about us because we're growing. We don't have to worry about making the wrong decisions because we're growing. And they can rejoice as they present. And I think that's part of of preaching messages about Christ is because we forget what we used to be. Remind us. (laughs) Remind us of where what we are now and that will encourage us as we grow together then verse 12 it says well I'll read verse 11 also for so an interest shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things though you know them And be established in the present truth. So like I say. Remind us. Have you grown in your Christian life? 